You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I am Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. Joined, as I always am, by Andrew Hedinger, who you can find on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. You can find the podcast on social media at Rust Belt Running. And tonight, we're back. We're well fed. We have Eric Geyer on tonight, old friend of the pod. We are going to talk about vaccines, something Eric is very well suited to talk about and something neither Andrew or I know much about. So we thought this was a good time to talk about some of the hope coming in 2021. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Well, I'm great. I'm, I'm great and I'm snowed in right now. So it's nice and yeah. cozy. Yeah, I'm, I'm further south than you guys. It's like, it's not that bad down here. Um, it's actually, uh, it's sunny right now. It's sunny <laughs> at eight o'clock. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Amazing. You didn't realize you're that much closer to the equator, did you? Amazing. Down in Canton. Yeah, that one um, hour drive. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we, I would, it's more than a dusting. I see, this is the snowfall that I could do all the time, like two or three inches. And we'll see what happens overnight. But uh, yeah, we haven't gotten as much as you guys have gotten hammered. Yeah, we've got about a solid 13 inches or more where I'm at over here by the Cuyahoga Valley. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good fun running weather. I actually love it. This was one of those rare snowfalls in this part of Northeast Ohio where like the predictions actually like lived up to the hype lived up to the predictions. Like you'll hear all the time, like, oh, you guys are going to get somewhere between six to eight inches of snow. And then the next it's day, goes fine. it's like, it's a dust. <laughs> you get like two. It's very different when you go to the snow belt, which is about, 40 minutes east of where Eric and I are at, but no, it like legit lived up. It's a solid, like you said, 12, 13, 14 inches out there. And it, it continued al- all day. It always amazes me here in Ohio, how like a 10 minute drive will totally change the snowstorm. Like oh, I I've always just been like astounded by that for some reason. Like I lived in Colorado for eight years and there, there's crazy weather there. Like you'll get, uh, like they'll get these massive uh, nor'easters from time to time. One year we got like two and a half feet of snow. And the day after it was like 68 degrees and sunny. Uh, so you get weird weather there, but it was, it was never the type of thing where it was like, you know, you could drive 10 minutes and see like quadruple the snowfall, which is what it is today. Cause like Akron got hit kind of like we got hit here in Canton, but you drive, 15 minutes north of Fairlawn and boom, you guys, Adam, you got hammered. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just nuts. 
it's nuts. But it is great weather for uh, to show off the Christmas lights. And so, Eric, I wanted to ask you about this. You're, you're a new dad. You got a ten month old. It's your yep. first. It's your first Christmas, and I want to. I want to welcome you to the club um, of dads who who care about Christmas all of a sudden. Because I was always a Grinch, and then uh, then I had a kid, and now I'm got inflatables in my yard. <laughs> Yeah, me and you actually have the same inflatable nine-foot Santa, I think, from Home Depot uh, in our front. I kind of uh, went a little more – we both are uh, kind of Griswold here with it. So, it, yeah. Oh, total Griswold. Like, <laughs> I, when I walk out with my staple gun and a few strings of lights every year, my neighbor calls me Clark. Now, here's what's awesome. My neighbor this year, he got an inflatable. And – I, I literally ran into my house. Like I was getting ready to go somewhere. I was probably going out to buy more Christmas decorations because we've gone hard this year. Cause I think it's, it's the one thing we want to make our home homey because we're going to be here all winter. And, uh, but I was going out somewhere and I ran inside and I yelled at my wife that our neighbor was putting up an inflatable. And she was like, are you really that excited about this? <laughs> And I was like, yes, yes, I am. It's like, we're coordinating. And he like put it in a position that like accents are perfect. And so it's just, it's great. So I called him Clark Jr. Cause he always calls me Clark. <laughs> but uh, so congratulations on your, your first, your house looks wonderful. Thank you. Yours as well. A, a perfect amount. I, I like a perfect amount of kitschy. Like it needs to be cheesy without going overboard. That's what yeah. I want. I want it to look like a classy, like 78 year old woman lives here. <laughs> that's, that's the what? look I'm going for. That would be my neighbors. And yes, they, they kind of match me. So that's exactly what we were trying to keep. See? You said what, Adam, he knows what I'm talking about. He's got, he's got hard evidence. Well, it's anecdotal, but. <laughs> I actually used to do my, my so my parents, uh, I grew up in a, pre-civil war gorgeous farmhouse out in columbia station and my parents still live there and for the longest time i did white icicle lights on it and it it really was very pretty but icicle lights are a pain in the ass because when the wind whips them around lights will break you know get like whole sections of icicle lights that go out so there's like actually a lot of upkeep to having icicle lights on a house and then keeping them year to year and I was getting to that point where it's like, eh, I really don't want to be going over there and doing it for them anymore. And they decided a few years ago to put gutter guards on their gutters and you couldn't put the clips in the gutters anymore to hang up the lights. And it was just sort of that old twist of the arm that just finally got me to not have to do it anymore. I, I miss how good the house looked. I, I don't miss doing it at all. When I eventually have kids, I'm sure that'll get me right back into the spirit. But for now, I'm like, nah, it's fine. It will, because I will tell you that when you and Eric, you, you didn't get to experience this probably this year. I mean, you might've got a few looks of amazement, uh, but when, when you went the first year, uh, our son was probably two or three. And the first year that I put up lights with the inflatables and all that, uh, well, inflatable, I'm not that cheesy. We do one, uh, but then I, then I have like a little snowman family I got. Uh, so I, that almost counts as two. Um, but when, when you see their face and the excitement, I mean, it is totally worth it. All the annoyance and climbing up ladders and I'm terrified of ladders. I don't hate heights. I just don't have a lot of experience on ladders. So it's not fun. 
and I don't enjoy it and it's nerve wracking. And, but when it's all done and um, you get to see that joy and excitement, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And when you see a fan, uh, uh, when you see a minivan that, you know, is full of kids, like slow down in front of your house, that's worth it. That makes it worth it too. Oh yeah. Yeah. We didn't have, our daughter is only 10 months old, so she's not old enough to really, she'll look at it, but it's only for a second. And she's like, you know, where's my food? So <laughs> More important things to add. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I did that over this Thanksgiving, uh, long Thanksgiving weekend that we had. Uh, what, 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 what did you guys do? It was, it was limited this year. If you followed governor DeWine, he's uh, in his, in his, mandates um we we hit on it a few weeks ago when we had mcneil chris mcneil on uh, that you couldn't have a turkey that fed more than six people uh but how, how was how was the limited thanksgiving for y'all it was good here we just stayed with uh our my wife's family since they kind of helped watch our daughter during the week like one day a week so we just went over there they're still in brexville so it wasn't very far and uh other than that i kind of got back into running because I'd fallen off the wagon for a little bit with a nice little 6.2 mile run, nice even 10k there and put up Christmas. Yeah. That was it. I watched football and it was great. I, it's like, I went over to my parents' place. Um, I, they're one of the few groups of people that I've seen regularly during this whole thing. And you know, it was just a very nice low key meal. Talked to my brother on the phone, talked to my sister on the phone. Uh, it was my, younger nephew's birthday on Friday. So, you know, FaceTimed and got to watch him open his gifts. But then beyond that, just really didn't do a whole lot of anything. And, you know, in a year where not a whole lot has been able to happen, uh, it was still nice just to sort of just sit there and not have to worry about work or anything, just enjoy time with family. You know, I mentioned last week on our episode, our uninterrupted, that it's one of those years where if you can't have everything you want out of a moment, just try to take anything you can get out of it. And I just tried to do that. And, you know, I know that next year will be far closer to what we'd like it to be. So it was, it was relaxing such as it was, it was relaxing and it was nice and still meaningful and um, weird. You know, it's so weird to be in the season and think about like all the things we'd normally be doing and realize like most of those things aren't going to happen, but uh, it's all right. It is what it is. I, I still enjoyed the holiday that I had. Uh, you know, you, you talked about our uninterrupted last week. I, I want to just say, if you haven't listened to that, I think you should go back and listen to that. I don't, you know, talk about our episodes very often. Um, and honestly, I've only listened to, we've done probably half a dozen uninterrupted. So I probably listened to like two of them start to finish. I don't know what Adam talks about half the time. Uh, but this one was really good. And uh, I, I think it really did hit, you know, what we do have to be grateful for. Yeah. this year uh and i think sometimes you have to search for it but when you search for it it's a little sweeter uh so and i mean now we, we did speak as people who haven't maybe been affected by this pandemic in a catastrophic way right but uh you know as people who have been affected i mean by employment and um you know for me child care was a huge thing because i mean our child care mm -hmm. costs were astronomical for us and, uh, you know, so, but whatever, go listen to the episode. Um, I think it's, I think it was a good one. I think it's really worth taking a listen to, uh, I smoked a Turkey. Yeah. I was a big fan of it myself. So, oh, well, thank you. Um, one of our 50 listeners. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I smoked a Turkey 
for Thanksgiving. And, and, and it was amazing. I just ate the turkey. I, I, did, I did absolutely nothing as far as that goes. My mom insists on handling all of it. Not like in a, just in a, like, it's her thing. She loves doing it. And so it's like my dad and the whole day were like, she don't need help. No, go away. All right. I'll go watch football. But I, I ate the turkey and I really enjoyed that. My, uh, my part in that. So we had steak. My wife's family just does not like turkey. So they decided to cook steak and I, really? I made fun of them, called them all communists. But, you know. <laughs> uh, do you do like the been. other traditional stuff like mashed potatoes, yeah, vegetables? Yeah, they sweet potatoes and all that stuff. Okay. But, you know, it was like they just, her dad doesn't like turkey. So they did steak. Adam, we we need to vet our guests better. <laughs> Listen, food knowledge and practices is not what we have Eric on here today for. So, no, we'll allow it. You know how I feel about food disagreements, though. So. <laughs> Don't get you started on tacos. Mm. You, you son mm. of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. You know what'll put you in a better mood is talking about that video you sent me today. Oh my god. Oh okay, Eric. I'm gonna send this to you real quick. Um, if you can mute your mic and just watch it and don't <laughs> listen to Adam and I talk. Actually, I kind of want to just hear your reaction to it. So yes, don't mute your mic. Um let me uh I'm afraid this does require some context. There is... Um, is this going to be another like cage underwear thing or whatever you guys have been talking about before? <laughs> <laughs> it is gift season. No. Um, no, there's a... There's we should a past- really see if we can like get sponsored by them because that would oh be God. hilarious. <laughs> All right, the Rex Chapman. He's usually pretty gold on Twitter. Better than he was at threes in NBA. Ooh. Oh my God! It's in the name of Rock Out G. I got six seconds in. <laughs> All right. So as he's watching for context, uh, Kenneth Copeland, televangelist and crook, is um, praying away COVID in America. This which, goes back to like the earliest days of COVID, too. Um, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> somebody began to play metal music over it and it's incredible and i saw today i i didn't know i needed it it thumps pretty well (laughs) yeah it's pretty on point yeah yeah oh my god you you gotta love the people who come with that so i would never think to do that I, i i can be creative at times but Never with that crazy music stuff when it comes to putting it with some Jesus guy who's going to pray away COVID, which we all know how well that worked. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this today when I watched it, because I remember seeing this rant back in March or April, whenever it was. It was really early when we were shut down here in Ohio. And I'm a spiritual guy, but I wouldn't consider myself religious. Like I identify as Christian, but I don't, I haven't really practiced in, you know, going to church or anything like that in, in years. And I remember seeing it and just thinking like, okay, I'm not, I'm not judging the people who, who buy into it because they come to it with a different mindset than I do. But, you know, the, the logical person in me 
watches this and goes, oh, okay, all right. So, you know, he's praying away COVID. And what happens in like three months when it hasn't gone away? Like, what, what's the mental trickery that people need to do where they go, oh, well, uh, it didn't work, but still it's okay. Like this guy's still legit because, and then they fill in whatever thing they need to do to rationalize it. And I just, as I was watching it again today, I'm thinking like, hey, here we are. And cases are... 10 times higher, 20 times higher than they were in April and May. And how do you think about this guy now? And the fact that he prayed it away. And like you said, it hasn't gone anywhere. Okay, well, it's Kenneth Copeland. So he, I get that. Uh, like I never, I grew up in the church. I worked in churches. I still hold my beliefs. I'd no longer associate myself with the um, evangelical church. Uh, but I, I so I do believe in the in the power of prayer, okay. but that dude do I. that that dude is not. Uh, I don't know what he's doing there because he's not a good person at all, <laughs> and so yeah. that that was not coming from a place of truly wanting to see this this virus go away. And then you know what? This is actually um, dang it. I can actually turn this into a great segue, but we have. You know, we'll talk about running after we talk about the meat of this podcast because of this transition. Yeah, it kind of it kind of takes us. So, to want to go anyway? Um, damn it! I had this great. I think you were going. I think you're going to say what actually gets COVID to go away is a vaccine, not prayer. That, that's not quite where I was going to go. Oh no, I was going to say. So I believe in the power of prayer, but I also believe that God does not reward stupidity. Yeah, And so you can't just pray for this virus to go away and, you know, refuse to wear a mask, um, refuse to social distance, refuse to follow the guidelines that are set forth by, you know, our governors and, um, you know, different state and city legislators, I, I w- legislatures, I, which I, I wish I could say federal, but that doesn't exist. Um the guidelines at least so uh yeah we, we god doesn't reward stupidity and here we are it is uh december 1st as the date of recording and we started talking about this back at the beginning of march into february adam you and i talked about it and uh yeah <laughs> and we're still doing it so we're we're, we're almost at a year and we're, we're still doing it and it's it's not good it's bad and, yeah. and to um, your point, my first tweet on my uh, under my podcast was back on. I actually looked this up for this. What is the name of that podcast, Eric? Oh yeah, it's a it's a political pharmacist. You can find it anywhere on any of your major platforms. Um, my Twitter is on, on there is at political underscore rx, and my first tweet. You can go check this. It's still up on February first. Was Busta Rhymes with a quote box next to him that said Wuhan got you all in check. And boy, did that come out to be true. So one thing I I said I was going to say was a quick grind my gears thing. So when I say uh, God doesn't reward stupidity and we're talking about mask and um, you have more followers than us. Congratulations on your success. There's one more. Um, (laughs) So. Uh, I've talked before about uh, my wife working at a hospital and um, you can go back and get the name in some episode somewhere. I'm going to leave that out of it. Uh, but when, when, as I continue to see people talk about how this is 
not you know oh it's got a nine they say 99.7 which is not accurate but they 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 throw out that as a survival rate that you know people talking about how governor dewine is a dictator we had state uh representatives today uh files art file articles of impeachment uh on governor dewine um they are not going to it's not going to go anywhere but it, you know it happened and we have people who follow that same path and um I, I just wish people could understand what goes on at these hospitals right now adam you and i have talked sorry i rehearsed this in my truck all day at work today so if i go Good on man. for a minute just stop me um i uh adam and i have talked about at the beginning how we didn't think people would take this seriously because you know we call it a pandemic and thanks to hollywood we think of a pandemic as something more like ebola you know something that causes you to bleed from your eyes or like some like flesh-eating bacteria or like spontaneous combustion or something we don't think of it as something that for most people is the sniffles you know we, we don't think of a pandemic as that but um i can tell you that the hospital down the road from me is not dealing with people with the sniffles. It is dealing with very sick people. They are trying, they cannot create enough, they cannot create bed space fast enough right now. So to give you an idea, their ICU, their medical ICU is full of COVID positive patients. They have had to move other patients to other units. Um, their ER is full of positive COVID patients. They have nowhere to put them because every room that is available for a positive COVID patient is taken by a positive COVID patient. They, they can't just throw them into a regular room, people. If they do that, we're going to have nursing home scenarios in hospitals because you have to have proper air scrubbing, ventilation, and HVAC systems. And that doesn't just exist in every hospital bed. So th those things take time. So what do you do when an ER is full? And the ER now is full of sick people. It's not full of people just waiting to get tested like it was at the beginning of the pandemic when testing wasn't widely available. It's full of sick people, people who are actually sick with this virus. And so people are pulling up sick with this virus, needing emergency care and they are unable to get it. So people are waiting in their cars, sick, waiting for an emergency room bed to open. And if you don't think this is serious, think about that. Think about going to a hospital sick, needing emergency care, and you have to wait in your car for who knows how long. If you don't think this is serious, this is what is happening in my small little town of Canton, Ohio. I can't speak for other towns and hospitals, but I can speak for that one. This is serious. We have some hope and that's what we brought Eric on to talk about. But that was my little grind my gears segment that I, I kind of wanted to talk about because I'm still sick of seeing people say this isn't a big deal. And, I, and I'm sick of people like we, we had Thanksgiving weekend where I still heard and saw, heard of and saw people celebrating with big groups of people and family. And they don't understand 
what is truly happening. Yeah, the, the whole mass thing is just beyond ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm actually currently off because of a, a thing I have. So I'm actually on disability because I got so stressed out at work. I actually developed Bell's palsy from it. Huh. So part of my face actually basically collapsed like I had a stroke. So I've been off for a few weeks. Um, and we're going to have stressed. Adam, we're going to have Adam Wren on soon uh, from Politico. And he had the same thing during the 2016 election. Holy 2016 or this year? 2016. Okay. Yeah. And sorry. No, you're good. It's, and that's how stressful it is. And I work retail pharmacy, which is not the same as the hospital. It's not as it's, you know, like we're dealing with a lot more like life and death when you're in a hospital, but we don't know what's coming at our door. And I've had people throw pill bottles at me because they refuse to wear a mask. And I won't serve if they wear a mask. And you want to talk about just stupidity. Like that is the utmost of it. I and mean, we, I've actually like had technicians been, you know, that's basically physical assault from, because they told the person had to wear a mask to get a vaccine or to refill their prescription and they just lose their mind on it and then said it would all be gone after the election and well here we are a month later it's around yeah it's worse (laughs) yeah and then some did you guys have you guys seen the recent graphs of hospitalizations (laughs) um yeah i i kind of also monitor or and founded a facebook group with forty-two thousand people about for pharmacy support for COVID 19 so I've been a little up to date with some of this and it is scary. It is. And, and that's the part that we talked about back in March, which didn't happen because we had buy-in. Yep. You know, we didn't have the surge that was expected because we had the buy-in of the communities. Yeah. We had the buy-in of we had the buy-in of individuals. And then two weeks later, half the country was or half the area was fed up and it's all just gone to crap. And um, it just our lack of patience sucks. Yeah. And the people who are responsible are the ones paying for it. Oh, yeah. Part of it, too, is people, like you said, they might get something that's pretty mild and have something that's like a bad case of the sniffles, as you called it. And then they think it's nothing big, not realizing that there's so many other people that it is life-threatening to you. Like my neighbor across the street got it. He had just retired. He's in his, I, I want to say 60s. I, I don't quote me, but he's in that, that age bracket. He rode his bike roughly hundreds of miles a week, if not more. Like this guy could go and he, I'd be out running and he'd fly past me like he was an actual speeding car. And he got it. He was in the hospital. He was put on remdesivir before, when it was like not even emergency use authorization. He was given platelets, everything. And, you know, I hate to say it, but like when he, he still struggles to this day, he's getting much better, but it's been months now. He got it sometime in the early summer, midsummer, And, you know, he's just getting back on the bike to get a couple miles on. You would see him just look like he had, you know, just, you know, done Leadville 100 mountain bike race or something crazy. Like he was exhausted and he really had, besides his age, no other pre-existing conditions. And that's what this, it might not, it didn't kill him. So he's not quote unquote a statistic, but yeah, he survived, but look what it did to him. He's still recovering right. months and months later. That's been one of my biggest fears throughout this whole thing is that I've got, I've got pretty, you know, sound belief that I'd be okay if I were to get it, that my case would be mild, but, you know, being a runner and and being a runner, who's been on the cusp of getting to the race I want to get to in Boston, like it would be, it would be life-changing in, in, it would be life-changing if that was taken away from me. And I know that that sounds dramatic when you're not dying from it, but it isn't, this isn't a, this isn't a virus where it's like either you die or you're fine. There's a whole lot of gray area in between. And 
um, you know, when you read some of the accounts from some of the long haulers and the things that they're dealing with four or five, six months after the fact, it's still the sort of thing that it, it changes your life in all sorts of different ways that you haven't really thought about could happen. So it's, it's one of the things that I think unfortunately got kind of baked into the narrative really early on was that this was either you die or you're fine. And there's so much more nuance to it. And um, it's why like we're, we're, we're going to be talking about vaccines here and um, you know, it's like, we're so close now to where those might be widely available where I'm kind of in like hunkered down mode because I've gotten this far without it. I really don't want to risk much more. Um, so, you know, Eric, I mentioned that, you know, we're, we're having you on because there's some light at the end of the tunnel coming with vaccines and being a pharmacist, this is an area of expertise for you. So let's start digging into some of the news that we've gotten in the last couple of weeks. We have what now three vaccines that have released their information. Uh, there's actually more than that, depending on what you look at. If you're looking at the COVAX international, there's quite a bit more. There's actually good okay. news that coming out of China. I don't even bother looking at those because we're not going to get them here. Um, same with actually some of the Russian ones. Who knows what you can bleed on those. Um, the three main ones we heard, there's also one out of Cuba, but we're probably not going to get it here. Um, the three main ones is there's one from Moderna, mm -hmm. one from Pfizer, and there's one from uh, AstraZeneca out of uh, England. And honestly, the Pfizer and the Moderna ones are probably the ones we're going to see most. In fact, just the other day, a couple days ago, United Airlines actually flew, I think it was 4.6 million doses over to the U.S. from Pfizer's headquarters in Germany. Okay. That's only 2.3 million people because it is that it will protect because it is two shots. So you kind of have to keep that in mind whenever you're seeing some of the math. All of the ones that we're going to get look like they're going to be two shots. But the good thing is, is they look like from the preliminary data, which each was 30 to 40,000 people who this was tested on, it was 100% effective in stopping severe infections and deaths. Okay. So that's huge. Now, it was also 95% effective. It's just stopping you from getting COVID, which is also huge. So we're, like those, the gray area you talked about, we're talking about getting out of that. And this, you know, if you do get it, if it will be the sniffles or you won't get it, which is good because that helps drop it down. Um, kind of backing this up a point though, I like to look at, because I'm a huge numbers nerd, as you guys might know, is that COVID had a really high R value, which is one of the things they're using to look at for how contagious it is. Right. Believe it or not, in the early days, it was twice as contagious as the Spanish flu of 1918, which killed 50 million people. Mm -hmm. So this is, when you put look at those numbers, okay, it's twice as contagious. We don't know on the deadly factor quite yet, but you know, 50 million people is a lot, no matter how you look at it. If you look multiply that by two, you're talking 100 million people. That's a good chunk of the world population. And, you know, that's how much we could be saving with a vaccine like this, which is why it's such big news. Um, I don't know how much you guys exactly want me to go into some of the details of it, but some of this does require ultra cold storage. Probably the one that people who are going to get it first are nursing home patients, those who are at super high risk and healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. um, and believe it or not, it varies by state to state. So Ohio has one guideline. Indiana might have another one. Um, Pennsylvania has Indiana is probably like all evangelicals. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know enough to speak to that part of it, but I could kind of see that given how Mike Pence is. <laughs> I'll ask I'll ask Adam Wren when we have him on. He's a Hoosier. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the interesting part about it is a lot of people aren't going to have access to this until later. And we're talking 
the U.S. actually, I think, bought 100 million doses. I can't remember if it's Pfizer or Moderna, the first 100 million of them. Mm-hmm. So that's 50 million people protected. So that's enough to get through our healthcare workers, our super at risk. But that's at least 300 million people in the U.S. who might not have immediate access to it, which as we start breaking this down and looking at racing and running to kind of tie this together here, spring races are still going to be in jeopardy. I hate mm. saying that. I know, uh, Andrew, you were looking forward to Glass City Marathon. I saw them post on the other day. I'm a little questionable of how well that one's going to get pulled off, but I think we're going to be looking at more towards the, the fall races like the Columbus Marathon that are much more likely to happen than the spring ones because of that. Because we're going to have a large swath of people who can't get vaccinated. And I don't know what race directors are going to do. If they're going to ask for proof, if they're just going to ask you to say, hey, sign this waiver, I was vaccinated. Or if we're going to see a mandate, some sort of uh, face, face mask or covering. But I think that could be huge when you look at how this plays into running. Are we going to see them try and social distance and do like corrals of a thin line of runners, letting them go see maybe 10 runners at a time every two minutes and make sure they keep six feet of spacing while they're running? I'm not sure. That's what I would do. But I don't know how you enforce that because when you run, you obviously cough, sneeze, breathe, snot rockets. And that creates a huge vapor trail behind you. Now, most of the people should be healthy. So I don't know exactly how that plays out. But I guess what all do you guys want to know about the vaccine stuff? Well, I will say Glass City did send out. I I was kind of surprised. Glass City seemed kind of flippant when this all began. And uh, I actually roasted them pretty hard um, in one of our episodes before they had canceled, uh, which when when I knew they were going to cancel. But they've already been very transparent about what their guidelines are. And they've been working with the uh, with Toledo the city of Toledo to this point. I mean, obviously so much can change. We, we've seen that uh, from day one. <laughs> you, can't, you can't predict what things are gonna look like uh, six months down the road, five months down the road. Um, but uh, I mean, you can predict it, but you're probably gonna be wrong. But I was just gonna say, that, that was the only thing I was gonna say was they've actually been you know, very good. They are looking at like limited corrals, um, mask wearing pre-race and post-race. Like they're, they're during the race, they're not gonna, require mask but when you are in these areas where you are you know where, where you're closer together in the start and finish corrals uh where it's more difficult to maintain that social distancing and i mean what are you going to do when somebody finishes 26.2 be like hey you got to run another 100 yards to get away from that guy <laughs> you know what they should do is they should make the metal attached to a face mask so the only way you have to show it off mm. is to wear it necessity is the mother of invention (laughs) well done eric let's go patent that andrew (laughs) you and me we're stealing it yep i'm game with that all right as a doctor in pharmacy i'm 100 behind that um adam and i also had talked about and i think this goes along with what we talked about a couple weeks ago when we said this kind of feels like mile 18 of a marathon is where we're at right now. Or I guess you could say like mile 80 of 100. Maybe that's more applicable to you. But uh, where, where you feel like you're getting closer to the end, but you still have a really long way to go. You, you know, I, I like the the ultra marathon. I actually made a note before coming on that it's kind of like an ultra, ultra marathon. But uh, oh, shit. <laughs> as you guys, as you guys have alluded to, it's like so. I talked about previously, I've attempted Leadville 100. I only made it to like roughly mile 70. Long story, I, I screwed up myself more than anything else. 
But the part of the reason I dropped there was I knew that there was one big climb left of about a couple thousand, 1,500 feet that was about 10 miles further ahead. And I knew that I would just completely bomb it. And that's where I think is more applicable here is, yeah, let's look at this like an ultra marathon, like a hundred miler, if you will. And you've got that marathon distance left to go. Like you can walk it in, but that's not, you know, you're going to get cut off. We need to get over that hump and get people to buy into the vaccine because honestly, the good news is the only person who died in the trials got placebo. So they got saline hmm. and died of something else. Okay. Everyone else made it through. And that's, that's of all of the trials. Of all the trials I've seen, the only person who died was in the placebo huh. of, of the major three I mentioned. Right. And I think it's the three we've all heard about who have yeah. you know, yeah. followed this. So if you're looking at 90,000 people and they were going for people who are high risk, who are in healthcare, who are being exposed to COVID, generally those are people who are going to be at least in their 30s or older just because the education criteria and the risk factors. That's really good. Only one of 90,000 people died. Like, I mean, right. 90,000 thousand people could die in a car accident if you look at the odds. Oh, yeah. So like that's really good. Hmm. And that's all the more reason why. And you know, I've been nerding out looking at all the preliminary data and everything, using every bit of knowledge I can. And that's the one thing that really has me, you know, happy about it. Now, one bad thing is is if you get it because it does ramp up your immune system, you might be sick for a day or two. And it's not really sick, it's more just like inflammation, your body's, you know, white blood cells getting activated. It makes you feel kind of crappy, but I'll take a day or two of feeling crappy versus avoiding the plague, basically. <laughs> I mean, I got a, I got my flu shot yesterday, and I, I had periods of that today. Like, I haven't felt sick per se. I've just felt really run down. Yeah, uh, Eric will be very happy to hear you got your flu shot. This yeah, is actually you, you used to first... give me crap for that, but there's a reason now <laughs> why I promote vaccines so much. Now, what's funny is I only gave you. I, like I've never been like anti-vaccine guy or anti-flu shot guy. <laughs> it was just fun to bust your balls. That was it. I, oh yeah. This is actually the first flu shot I've ever gotten. I never got one before. And my thinking the entire time was, well, I, I really don't get sick. It's very rare that I get sick. I don't tend to get the flu. And one of the things that's come out of just wall-to-wall -wall coverage of COVID since March is that I have a much better understanding of the fact that just because I don't get it doesn't necessarily mean that I can't carry it and give it to somebody else that's more susceptible. So I you know, made the decision over the summer, like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'll start getting flu shots from now on. And so that's, that's all what played into it. And it's, I guess it's kind of funny what, when you think about it now, one of, the, one of the talking points around COVID from sort of the people that want to deny the seriousness of it is that, oh, well, you know, we lose so many people to the flu every year. And I'm thinking about it now going, well, why do we have to? Like, we could probably really cut that number down if more people got flu shots. And if, you know, wearing a mask, if you feel sick was more normalized. And yeah, yeah, I, I wonder if that's one of the things that's going to come out of this that becomes a bit more normalized now is that we, we don't have to make the decision to say, ah, fuck it, let them die. Well, and, and to that point too, only about, you know, the flu shot's only about 50 to 60% effective depending right. on the year, but only 50% of people get it. So we don't have really good data to go off of because we never knew when 100% of people got it. Right. Look what happened in the early 2000s when 100% of people were getting their MMR vaccine. We eliminated measles, mumps, and rubella. Mm -hmm. Now, 2019, we had a huge outbreak of it because people are, it's against my Idiots. religious belief. Yeah, because it's against my religious belief when there's no religion that's actually against it in the United States. There's a small one in Europe, but they all got, ironically, they all caught measles. 
And, you know, that's something we just don't have to deal with anymore. But now it's coming back because of the anti-vaccine movement. And right. really, when you look at the data, there's no reason but not to do it. And, you know, one thing that people always jump on me, they say, oh, you're brainwashed by big pharma because you're a pharmacist. No, whatever I tell you, I have to be able to support in a court of law. And that's what I do. So I think that's what people, you know, you can go listen to, you know, whoever from the local community college chemist who's going on YouTube to promote some stupid claim to sell you, you know, lavender oil or whatever it is, but you can't sue him. You can sue me. And I'm telling you that based off the data, my knowledge, and honestly, Adam, you're like me, you're a boy scout too. There's a moral compass that we have, and there's a reason why we, we support things. You know, as you were talking about how you can get sued in the court of law, I think (laughs) it's sort of tangential, but I think one of the more interesting interesting things about the last month is the number of people who um, the the number of people who will continue to look for that data to back up their point. And when the data doesn't get supported in the court of law, they go, Oh, oh, well, well, there might not be enough evidence for the court of law, but it's like, Holy shit, guys. Like, yeah, that's what matters. (laughs) Holy shit, guys. Um, Let's go back to lavender oil for a second. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Go Adam. Um, so a couple of things, as you were talking about, you know, how initially it's going to be, you know, the vaccines are going to have to be rationed off to the most at-risk people, healthcare workers, people in nursing homes. Have you seen anything in your reading that gives you some sort of a firm timetable with regards to when pretty much anybody's going to be able to go to their doctor and get the vaccine? So timetable, no. And honestly, most of them are going to probably have to go to pharmacies or a hospital Okay. I'm not saying that because I'm a pharmacist. I'm just saying that because that's the way they're distributing it okay. because they know that 95% of people live within five miles of a pharmacy. Okay. And they would rather send you to us than to send you to a hospital and cause an outbreak of some of the most sick nursing shortages, et cetera, like Andrew here with his wife. Okay. Um, you actually have Ohio's pulled up right in front of me and healthcare practitioners, um, healthcare support operations, home health care, emergency responders, they're all 1A. Okay. Like that's all like the first people. Actually, I'm sorry, I pulled up Arizona's. Let me get Ohio's pulled up here for me real quick. Um, uh, anyway. You said you were um, ready. Anyway, I don't, I was and I just, here it is. All right, 1A. So that's who's all on, on 1A. 1B is older adults living in congregate or overcrowded areas. So like your nursing homes, okay. I assume. Um, I also assume from reading this that people who are in hospitals for some reason, like say they just have a heart attack and are high risk, are going to get it. Makes sense. Um, yeah. People who are significantly high risk due to comorbid conditions, that's 1B. Phase two is where your local pharmacists are actually going to be able to vac- get vaccinated. Um, there's, and there's critical risk essential workers to society, so healthcare, public health operations, et cetera. Teachers and school staff are all in phase two as well, which is good yeah. because we want to keep kids alive. Mm-hmm. Um, comorbid conditions, et cetera, et cetera. I forget how many doses Ohio's getting specifically. I saw that somewhere, but it's an odd number. It's nothing like even a hundred thousand. And it's basically going to go to hospitals to take care of those people first and then get rolled out to people like me and then to people like, like you guys. But it really goes by comorbid conditions and risk factors. And you can just categorize it by that. So I personally think from looking at it and knowing how many vax or how many they have currently being shipped in the manufacturing process of warp speed, you're probably on a sunny note looking at summer for people like you guys, Andrew and Adam, to get it. 
Okay. Now I'm thinking fall. And now most of these you have to get one. I think the Pfizer one you have to get three weeks later and the Moderna you have to get a month later. Okay. You know, you're, you will get some effect notice with one, but the two shot series, you have to get both to really get that 95% effective uh, rate. So that's where we're looking at, probably looking to the fall. So I think one of my big questions is what, because I haven't really seen much on the, and I know <laughs> you need time to be able to understand the answer to this question, because that's the nature of the question. Uh, how long do they believe, because we've seen you know, studies of people who have the antibodies and reinfection and stuff. Uh, how long do they think the believe, how long do they believe the um, immunity would last? So we're not sure. I think the worst case they're looking at is it's going to be like the flu shot. Maybe you need to get a booster every year. Because remember, okay. and Andrew, you probably remember this a little bit from your son, but I, with my daughter being 10 months old, you have to get two shots of even the flu before it becomes really effective. So we had to take her to get immunized and then immunized again a month later. You know, I didn't know that children needed, uh, like uh, my son's going to be eight in a couple of days. And I didn't know he's supposed to get them six months apart. I didn't know that till we went to the pharmacy this year. Cause mm -hmm. usually we go to his, we just get it at his annual, um, from his doctor well, I, he never had told us we needed to get it that they recommend twice for children uh, up until yeah. they're what like 12 is it 12 or is it eight it's something well you like just that. need to get them you just need to get the first one and then a second one at least a month later oh, i'm gonna have to pull my damn it you're gonna make me go downstairs and grab his <laughs> shot paperwork and read it don't don't do all that don't worry we can talk about that off air or something but uh but yeah, no, and that actually is big for a lot of vaccines. With measles, mumps, and rubella, MMR shot, there's also evidence you have to get a second dose. And a lot of people around our age never got that second dose, which is part of the reason why we're seeing some spread of it. So I actually got my second dose at 30, which I should be good with now. But it's just one of those things of, you know, we're, we're learning more as time goes on with this. And anecdotally, I had a friend who's a pharmacist who caught it at work in March, he was presumed positive did an antibody test in April, May, had them, just did one again, doesn't have them. Hmm. So we could be looking at six months for now. We don't know, which is why they're giving to healthcare workers first, because we got to make sure they're protected. Right. And we'll check right. up with them in a few months and see what goes on. Um, and that's honestly how we do a lot of drug trials anyway. The difference is vaccines are very hard to test because we can't give you a pill and check your blood pressure. We're giving you a vaccine and, the, and no news is good news. When we get news, okay. it's bad news. It's like, oh, shit. Okay, how long did that last? Why didn't it work? Then we have to try and back extrapolate through a very complicated web. Well, and that's where it feels like it's mile 18 or whatever mile it would be in an ultra, ultra marathon, as you said. Because it's like this: the vaccine's not the silver bullet to just be like, all right, take your mask off and go hug everybody. <laughs> you know, it's like that's not how it's going to work. Yeah, it, it's it's there's still going to be there. It's still going to require some time after everybody gets some shots in their arm. Yeah. And, and I think honestly, a lot of your race directors are going to start requiring proof of it somehow. There are systems that track it. So, I mean, that's the good news. Maybe they can fall back on that as a public health thing. But I think they're going to start requiring stuff like that to do these races. I think trail races are a little different just because they're smaller and they're more spaced out. But 
definitely your big city races, your Cleveland's, your Columbus, your Cincinnati's, there's no way you're going to be able to hold an event with 20,000 people safely unless, you know, 95% of people have the vaccine and the rest of them wear masks. So this is kind of beating around this point. I, I guess I'll ask you to kind of project a little bit. You know, let's, let's go to the summer. Andrew and I, we're getting vaccinated. We're, we're part of that last group that's getting vaccinated. So by that point, you have the number of people vaccinated that you would want. Um, what do you imagine kind of a normal life is going to look like then? Is it going to be like we're looking at what life was like in February of 2020? Are we still seeing mitigation measures still in place because we don't know about the long-term effectiveness of this? Like what, what do you kind of foresee life looking like, you know, in say maybe August of 2021? So personally, the way I look at it is look at a lot of your Asian countries. They still remember like the scars of really contagious diseases, even really bad flu seasons even. If you mm -hmm. go look at Japan, China, Taiwan, any of those countries, it's pretty regular. People wear masks in the wintertime. Yes, right. And I don't know if that'll be the norm here because you know America loves their freedoms, but I do think you're going to see a lot more of that because yes. people now remember what it's like. I'm not going to to say that that's the answer but you're gonna see people wearing masks you're gonna see people being judgmental of them whatever i have two nieces with immunodeficiency or immune system problems and i'm gonna encourage them to wear a mask and obviously get their shots just because you know they do have weak immune system issues where their immune system attacks their body and they do need to be protected and you know if you can if wearing a mask went out in high-risk areas like say you're in i don't know maybe a crowded movie theater where you're sitting with the same people breathing recirculated air what does it really inconvenience you? You know what I mean? I'm going to say, I'm going to be a flu season mask wearer for the foreseeable future. Like that's just what it's, I'm, that's, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. I think a lot of healthcare workers are because most of us weren't around in 1918 and a lot of us are going to have some scar tissue to dig through with this one yeah, to use yeah. the running term, if you will. Well, and it's this mask wearing is not new. That the one thing I hate is, um, you know, people act like it's some type of infringement on freedoms. You know, my, my wife at work, if she doesn't get outside of any other year, if she doesn't get a flu shot, she has to wear a mask every minute she's at work. You know, like it's it, during flu season from October to March, she, ha she would have to wear a mask if she didn't get a flu shot. And there's a reason for that. Like we, so the whole like, it's just the flu. Okay, well, let's treat it like it's the flu. Just it's everybody. Like if, if you're not vaccinated, if you're not immune to it, okay, you're going to wear a mask. Well, you know. And one of the things I use, always use to kind of people into getting their flu shot is, and maybe I'll make this a little more running based of the way I usually use it. Is. It's you don't have to. There's no running. It's we're just an, an we're a potpourri podcast at this <laughs> pretty much. No, but if, if you go out and say you train for an American football game, right? Like you're out there and you're, you know, working on your tackling form, you're passing, you know, how to hold a ball. And then you show up to the game, it's a rugby match. Crap. You might not know all the rules, but at least you have all the physical tools to do it. That's what a vaccine and mask wearing is. Mm -hmm. Training yourself and getting yourself like your body prepared so that when you actually do get introduced to something like that, you're protected or at least you're ready for it or you're minimizing your risk to it. And that's kind of the way that 
I look at it. You know, if you were to go out and run the 800s all the time and show up to a half marathon, you're probably okay. If you didn't run, you're probably going to suck. You just brought up rugby for the first time ever on our podcast. <laughs> it was the best analogy I can give people. They can picture it. Sorry. It's just what I say at work all the time. It amazes me still the conversations that I have with people at work who will ask me like, man, doesn't, doesn't that mask bug you? And I'm like, guys, I've been working six days a week with a mask on since, I don't know, second week of April. Like, I just, I don't even notice it anymore. And the, the entrenchment some people still have against, you know, wanting to be uncomfortable. I don't even find it uncomfortable. I mean, when I take it off, I guess I'm happy, you know, it's more comfortable, but I really don't notice it after I put it on, I get to work. It's just sort of part of the uniform now. And uh, it's amazing to me how, how entrenched people still are around that concept. It's so stupid. I feel the same way. I, I finally, I shaved my Movember mustache. So I'm probably going to get back to uh blessedly that dude. It was awful that the mustache and, <laughs> and how it felt. It, it was the only time, like, I really was like, God, I hate wearing this mask. Like, cause it was just, this was the only time my mustache ever actually grew in, which is a big disappointment because it was covered up. I know it was still heinous. It's all over our Instagram stories, which fortunately don't last forever unless you have a password. Um, but uh, it, it was uncomfortable with the mask. But apart from that, I never noticed it. I don't. I mean, I, I drive a truck. I'm with customers all over Northeast Ohio. And uh, and I'm just going to add this back to my grind my gears. I was down in um, I was down in Guernsey County today. Ooh. I was out there and I was dealing with a gentleman at a school district down there. And uh, God bless Zoom for not cutting us off yet. And um, he works with the volunteer fire department that they have in uh, in the town that he lives in. And he was telling me about how primarily now they're dealing with COVID patients and transporting them. So back to what I said about patients waiting in their cars, they have to wait until the emergency room has a bed for the patient in their ambulance. Yep. So is it getting real for the people who are denying it yet? Like, so now not, not only are people sick in their cars waiting for a bed, you have an ambulance that you'll fly a flag for them in your front yard, but you don't care that that resource is taken up waiting for a bed to free up in an ER for God knows how long. What's really scary about that is the number of people who even after they're admitted and are told they have it, don't believe they have it. Yes. Uh, there was a really good interview, uh, one of the major cable news networks with a nurse somewhere in the plain States. I think one of the Dakotas and she was describing how like she'll have patients, you know, that are, are close to death, you know, or she's holding up a phone saying, listen, you need to talk to your loved ones. This might be one of the last times you have, the ability to do this and people are still denying that it's a thing and you know 
resisting the idea. They, they don't believe the diagnosis is true. They don't believe that they really have it. And it's just, it's a level of denialism that one, you know, and it unfortunately leads to selfish behavior. And it's like, if you have somebody who just literally cannot accept the reality, it's tough to even call them selfish because you're talking about somebody who's just not even living in the same sort of universe as the rest of us are. And I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you handle that group of people. It is, so it, it's so a different Adam, universe. Yeah. I don't right. know if you guys know or not, but I was, I've actually been COVID testing people since yeah. early summer. We've talked and about this. Yeah. I would call people and they're like, are you sure? How accurate is that test? And then some, one guy actually asked me, he's like, who are you voting for in November? Oh God. And I'll be, I'll be honest. So I'm sitting there and essentially what is a trailer on a burner phone calling someone from a block number. <laughs> who did you like, vote for? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can probably guess Damn it, by, Eric. by this conversation. Um, but I'm telling the guy, I go, I, I was just, you know. You mentioned moment. warp speed, but at one point. <laughs> no, I, I did. I, I, I voted for the current president. I voted for Biden. I will have no problem saying that. Yes. I, I do think that we need some normalcy to this country instead of the extreme political that is phenomenal journalism to all you kids listening out there this is what you can be holding a a pharmacist feet to the fire to get an answer on a very very modest running podcast about a pandemic (laughs) but but no anyway i'd have people who ask me that on the phone and i'm sitting there and i I told one guy i was like look man it doesn't matter who the fuck I'm going to vote for in, in November. I was like, I'm telling you this so you don't hurt yourself or the people around you. And, you know, it was kind of ridiculous because there was one time, you know, the guy like didn't believe me and we started talking and I kind of looked at his age. We're about the same age. And I go, do you have any kids at home? And we started talking. I go, look, I have a, I have a very young daughter. And I was like, I, if I were in your shoes, here's what I would do because I want to be able to see my daughter grow up. And once you kind of hit those things, people are like, oh crap, like, you know, you, you understand what I'm, you understand what's at risk here a little bit more. And honest to God, I don't know what it's going to take for some of these people. They're going to just take it to the grave. Like Ab said with that Dakota reference, but Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I, I, it's just so hard to break through to them. You just got to really address the person and not the, the science of it. Like share the anecdotes, if you will. I don't know how else to do it because at this point, they're just going to believe YouTube over you, even though the guy on YouTube could be based in Russia but he's selling lavender oil, so. Oh, yeah. Cures everything. Yeah. Planner fasciitis. I hear it's good for that, too. Rub it on there. Uh, no, I'm I, seriously wiping away tears. I was laughing so hard, like, two minutes ago. It is really interesting, though, Eric, because, you know, what you were talking about there is you got to find a way to address the person. It's, it's something that I've been struggling with, like, in the aftermath of the election. And I, I talked about it on one of the episodes, like we were kind of, you know, Andrew and I both were thinking that there was going to be the sort of biblical wipeout that a lot of polls predicted and it didn't happen. And mm. I mean, it didn't. It kind of did. It, not, it didn't happen on election night. It, it, we didn't, Democrats this didn't. This wasn't Reagan 84. No, it wasn't. But had these results come on election night instead of rolled out over the following five or seven days, it would have felt a lot different. And I guess I'm referring to the larger, I'm referring to the larger picture of 
you know, one party picked up House seats, you know, Democrats did not, they might still get a 50-50 split in the Senate, but they didn't get 53, 54 seats as some polls were predicted. Basically what I'm getting at is that there wasn't a titanic wipeout of an entire party on one side. Yeah. And so one of the things I've been struggling with in the aftermath of it is that, you know, because that didn't happen, there's some of that mentality is not just going to go away. And yet I, I don't view everybody that voted opposite of me is like irredeemable. There's a lot of people who are just simply, you know, they're staying brand loyal or they have lots of different reasons. And it's like, if you want to stop somebody from going around and being maskless when you're contagious with COVID, you've got to talk to the person. And, and it's true with just a lot of other things now. And it's just, it, it, it's so hard to do. And, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. We said, I don't know how you get through to some of these people. And yet at the same time, it's, it's so important that you keep trying because, you know, the science maybe isn't going to get it done. And um, you just, it's such hard work and it's not going to, you're not going to convince everybody, but you convince a few people and it helps a few people out. That's it's good work done. Well, and you know what, the people I applaud, honestly, people who are on the right, who've been standing up for it. Yes. Um, and Adam, me and you talked about this because we actually live in the same district for this, but yeah. uh, our state Senator, Matt Dolan. So he actually on a conference call, I was sitting in on with the uh, GOP from Strongsville which I don't live in Strongsville, but it was an open invite. So I, I joined in because he's my state senator and I want to hear what he had to say. People were sitting there telling him, this is all fake, blah, blah, blah. And he straight up called out his own party members and goes, this isn't fake. He's like, I'm a minority owner of the Cleveland Indians. So like, you know, I'm putting, I have the most to lose here financially of anybody else. And I know this isn't fake. And I'm following the science on everything I can do within the legal limits of what I think we can do. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, like I could have just started applauding when I heard him say, and I don't, that wasn't verbatim. That's basically what he said. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this guy gets it. Like that alone, <laughs> the fact you want to stand up to people who are, you know, generally quote unquote on your side and say, no, you're not right on this. That, that, that to me speaks volumes about who that person is as a person. 100%. And, and you're right. There have been people standing up on covid on the election uh there's actually just today a really good video of i believe i believe he's like the deputy secretary of state in georgia yes um, yes that would that was awesome i think what you're seeing through the last couple of weeks is you, you are seeing that the current administration um does not have the dice in the vice of state legislators like he has everybody in Washington. Right. It, it, it is just very different. I mean, you've seen the, the governor of Arizona come out and lay out like an eight tweet thread yeah. about how their election was full of integrity. Um, yeah, you've had the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger of Georgia. You know that I've followed that one very closely, um, who has, you know, he has even said, when I put my Republican hat on, I'm disappointed, but this was carried out the way it was supposed to be. And he gets just thrown under the rug by the president of the United States. It's unconscionable that we're talking about that. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting to see the state versus federal, even when you're talking about the legislators. Well, if you point, back, we are running out of time, Eric. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you make your point and then we're going to, we're going to finish up here. 
I was just saying, my point is just that, you know, this is really like a tribalism thing that's just gone to extremes. Because even if you look mm-hmm. at most of the people who, the past presidents who are Republicans, they also side with wearing a mask and being smart about this and following science. So that's a whole different ball game for these people who aren't following it. Absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts, Eric? We wanted to talk more about running and ask you about how running's been this year and probably could give us give us like a a one minute um synopsis of your running year and then we're gonna wrap this up um my running year has sucked just because you have a kid it will yeah having a newer kid having to help my wife since the wife is the the heart of all that and then also just having to come home from work and shower off it it, it defeats the purpose of running after work anymore just because i want to try and mitigate my family from having covid and that with having a new kid is absolutely tanked, but I'm trying it back in the scheme of it now as winter hits because I love winter running. Unlike you guys, it's like my I, I turn into the the Yeti and start or the not the Yeti the uh, the Wampa in Star Wars and just love it. So you I'm looking me. forward to winter running. You lost me at Star Wars. Oh well, that's that's because you're just you, you need to get with it. Damn you, Eric! Uh, time for me to go onto the old Instagram account. <laughs> do you you even know the password adam i need to change it (laughs) and once a week i'll get a text what's the password (laughs) i'm consistent once a week that you are that you are i mean you could do i i'm the one carrying our instagram with all the selfie videos um yeah yeah, I don't know if carrying is the way you want to phrase that. I'm attempting, okay? I was I just dropped my pen. I was trying to think of a good analogy. I dropped my pen and that that means it's time to go. So, um we are getting there. We are at mile like 400 of an ultra 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 marathon as Eric would say. And, uh, but we, we do thank you, Eric, for bringing your expertise on with us tonight. He is an expert. He is somebody worth listening to. Um, he has information. He can decipher information that we can't. Um, and, and these are important times. We're heading on to, uh, we, we're, getting, we're nearing bigger and better times. So, um, Eric, I hope you enjoy your Christmas lights. You too, and, and especially that nine-foot Santa. Yeah, yeah, you as well. Uh, we did not buy ours from the same place. They're very similar, but not quite the same. Um, you're better off than I am. I couldn't go to Home Depot to buy inflatables. I just, I couldn't do that. Well, to be fair, my aunt sent me mine. What's that? To be fair, my aunt sent me mine. Oh, yeah. Well, see, my goal is to one day make enough money where I can buy all of my Christmas decorations at Home Depot. I'm just not there yet. So um, I usually wait till they go on clearance and buy them for the next year because I'm cheap. That's a great idea. And I've done that as well. Um, But we really have to go. We'll do a Christmas decoration episode soon. I promise. (laughs) So, so, um, Adam. I'm going to talk to you next week. I'm going to talk to Adam Wren and see if we can get him on. Um, There's a little teaser for something that isn't set in stone. That's always all right. All right. So it'll probably be another uninterrupted next week. Who the hell knows? 
Um, Eric Geyer, uh, you can find him at political underscore RX on, is it just Twitter? Do you have an Insta? What, what would you Instagram on that? It's the same thing on Instagram. It's uh, political RX on Facebook. Okay, what is the Instagram of this? I'm sorry, I have to check. I just have it's, to see what you post. I think I don't use Instagram as much. It's political underscore RX. But, or, but no, but like, what do you post? Oh, I just post pictures of my, of the guest and then, so, or something related to the topic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when I search political underscore RX, the top account is political opposite porn. I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. Oh, it's just political pharmacist. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I was really interested in that other account. <laughs> this account- Eric's account seems much, much more G-rated. What is the- oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I actually know the other account. I will give them this. Political opposite porn. I want to see opposite political views porn videos starting with Delaney Carr and Colin Noir on black.com. I don't know who that is, but uh, <laughs> you do you on social media, everybody. Uh, we really got to end this. We are going down rabbit holes. I never thought we would go on in this podcast when Adam and I created it two years ago. So um yep i have political pharmacist on instagram political underscore rx on uh twitter and facebook and oh man if i don't snap out of this i'm gonna have to see eric for something so adam i'll talk to you next week eric we'll talk to you soon and until then stay safe stay clean stay home it is very important during the holidays that you stay home so that People don't have to sit in their cars at ERs. I don't even know it to receive medical attention for a deadly virus. So, um, protect your community. Arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor and enjoy your miles, everybody. <laughs>